there, and welcome to the Prickly Things Podcast, the show where we are open and honest about everyday life in hopes to empower, motivate, and inspire you. So listen close, because we all love a good story. Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome to my DACA series here on the Prickly Things Podcast. I am your host, Sandra Camacho. Thank you so much for tuning in to this new episode. Please check us out on Instagram, click that follow button, and be part of our Prickly Things Podcast community. Today's episode is very special because I have the pleasure of introducing a guest that is making headlines all the way from Houston, Texas. I introduce to y'all Frida Adame. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. And that was a beautiful introduction. Thank you so much, Sandra. I've, uh, Sandra and I have been talking for a couple of uh, weeks now, and we haven't had the time to get together, but I'm really, really excited to uh, be able to be here today and share some time with everyone. Yay, thank you so much. Again, you mentioned it. We've been talking about this for a long time. I think, um, as I was mentioning to you, uh, being on this podcast platform, you know, it's been almost four months. And I remember when I first started this, I started looking at, you know, those people that have inspired me from the beginning of why I'm here today. And when I found you on TikTok, I think one of the videos that I found and if you're okay, we can share this also on the Instagram page. The first video was one, uh, and and you were very emotional. You were crying, and you were talking about DACA, and you were talking about your dad, and that experience. That was the first video that I've seen on on TikTok about DACA. And to mm-hmm. me, to have you like, for one, being vulnerable, for two, I, like educating people on DACA. Because if the video following that one, people were asking, well, what's DACA? Like, what are you talking about? Like, what's going on? And then yeah. you were like. DACA is this and DACA is that and from there I'm just like girl let me talk to you like hey girl let me know can I talk to you you know it was that thing and so like you were one of the first uh the first people that I reached out from way back when and now I mean you've been busy like you've been really busy so yes it's been a long time coming getting to today and I definitely appreciate you uh taking the time to meet with me and sharing with our audience who follow this podcast who follow the DACA series they find our stories very inspiring, right? And so it's an honor for me to be able to sit here and share about you and feature you and everything that you've been doing. Like I said, you're literally making headlines. You just posted today about an article that was published and you just told me you wrote this article. Let's start with that. How does it feel? So honestly, all of this is, is feels kind of unreal to me. Um, it's starting from the TikTok that you're talking about. So I started, um, I have my TikTok and um, I started growing on my TikTok kind of out of the nowhere. You know, I started making videos just for fun. And the next thing you know, I was growing and I was like, oh, cool, look at me. So during quarantine last year, I started making a lot of videos and I started growing more and more. And that was actually my first video that I ever did about anything that had to do with DACA. And it blew up. Uh, prior to this, I, but for a long time, I was ashamed of being an immigrant, of sharing my story, of being DACA. It's something that, you know, growing up, you don't talk about. Your parents teach you to, like, you don't say that because you're going to get deported. Seriously. So for very many, many years, it was something that I just didn't speak about. And it was until about two years now that I started being more open about it. And, um, 
And I think with my with my TikTok, the fact that I be, started becoming an influencer, I hate using that word because I don't feel myself as an influencer, but people call me influencer. So let's go with that. Um, I know of a lot of influencers that are DACA mm-hmm. and they never speak up about it. And that really gets me like, I'm like, whoa, like we really don't have anyone that it's in a higher level to represent and speak up for us. And I kind of wanted to be, you know, the voice, the person that like, hey, yes, I am a TikTok famous girl and I'm all cool and all, all that, but I'm not just that. I am being successful, but I'm also an immigrant that is being successful that you follow. And now that you've been following me for a year and now I'm sharing this, now you're shocked because you don't believe that an immigrant it's famous on TikTok. No, I'm being serious. I know everything that I'm telling you sounds crazy, but it's so true. When I first came out about it on my TikTok, people were so like, what? Like, really? And, um, and I've had a lot of like bad things and good things. I had a lot of people telling me on that TikTok, well, you know, if you miss your dad so much, just go back to Mexico. Um, uh, if you make uh, miss your, your home country, why don't you just go back and just really rude things. And some people that were actually really interested saying, hey, what is DACA? So I started replying to these comments saying, thank you for asking. You know, I'm really glad that, you know, there's people like you that are interested. Here's what DACA is. So I started making a lot of videos. And before you know it, I had people left and right content contacted me about I actually the first people that ever reached out to me about something about DACA was Our Lady of the Lake University a university reached out to me and I was like holy moly what is happening what did I do <laughs> I know I'm like, what like how did it get all the way to the years of you know in a university so um I had a panel with them talking about DACA and I shared uh, the panel with very important people and I was sitting right there with all of them and I was like what is happening and um, I've always known that in my life for what I want to do in my life it's to make a change um, I've always been all about you know uh, human rights and everyone deserves rights and and I'm a feminist and um, I'm off for my for my woman rights and I was really upset when I found out about um the new law here that you cannot abort after certain weeks. And that's a different topic, but I'm all about fighting for our rights. And, but I didn't know that how passionate I am of this until I started seeing how many people it touched and how important it is to really have people like you and like myself and like Rosalie you know, that are making movement and speaking up about topics that are so important because I had random people messaging me and it makes me sad that are like, Frida, thank you so much for all you do for speaking up for for us that can't or are scared. And some of these people are DACA recipients. You know, again, I know a lot of DACA recipients and a lot of immigrants that are just scared to speak up and that's okay. You know, I don't blame them. I understand. But like whenever the whole Black Lives movement started happening and I went with them, I went to the marches and the rallies and my mom will be like, 
Frida, ¿qué estás haciendo? Te van a deportar. Like, you gotta remember que eres inmigrante. And I was like, I'm sorry, mom. I, I, I get what you're saying. But we are the way that we are because of people like you. Because we are scared. I cannot be scared. What changes there going to be if I stay scared forever and I don't speak up? Someone has to speak up, you know? And I feel like because I do have a bigger platform and, and a lot of people do follow me. I'm, I'm not kidding. I feel like slowly I'm seeing some of my followers break through and speak about things to me. Like they come out to me about being DACA. And then later on, I've seen like posts about them. And, I'm, and it makes me so happy because there's so many of us, you know? And I'm just really glad that I've been able to inspire a lot of different people and that I've gotten to um, somehow people have been finding out about me and reaching out to me. And I'm just very honored. I'm very honored to be able to represent my DACA fellows, you know? And going to the whole thing about Houston Chronicles, yes, every day is like a new thing. Um, (laughs) I actually have it right here to show it to you. Since I, you know, so I have my little... um, my Houston Chronicle article here. And um, I actually work with the lady that wrote it. Her name is Joyce. I've been working with her for like five years. I never knew that she was a Houston Chronicle author, writer. I never knew it. Wow. Somehow in the conversation we were speaking and she's like, so I started telling her about, you know, how I came to the United States, what I do. And she was like, Frida, no way, no way. This is amazing. I need to write a story about you and I was like okay yeah <laughs> let's so do it got, yeah we got together she interviewed me she took some well someone took some pictures and at the same time I w- I've been working on an op-ed with United We Dream to be published in the Houston Chronicles but it was not like it, we sent it to them and we never heard back from them so he uh United We Dream pitched it into um the Texas Signal and so they said yes right away and they published it today. And I have another interview coming up with the Texas Tribune and I ha- I'm with you right now. And it's just, it's, it's a lot. It's like every day after work, I gotta rush home and get ready because I have something going on. And at the same time, I still have to kind of, you know, keep up with my videos and my TikTok videos. Um, actually something really cool that I want to mention I got a I got, <laughs> I got a deal with jarritos you know what jarritos are right I saw that uh, dude I saw that in the seltzers too like well, once yes. I saw you posting about that I was like look at her now she's over here doing all this stuff but jarritos just reached out to me yesterday they want me to do like this thing so we did a contract today and I have to post a video with them tomorrow but I'm like Girl, what are the odds? I mean, growing up, I used to drink jarritos. Like, never in my life that I think that jarritos was going to be reaching out to old little, you know, Frida to make, not a commercial, but like, you know, promote. Content, so, yeah. Yeah, it's really, really cool. It really is. You leave me like, literally, I'm catching up with like everything that you're telling me. And as I hope our audience is listening to your story, like we're taking notes of like, again, all the accomplishments and everything that's happened to you in very little time, because we're talking about this video 
blowing up recently. Do you remember like when this happened, like when that video went up and the timeline of events from when you started to where you are now? Uh, that video was like seven months ago. I feel like, I mean, my, I feel like I have to go back to the beginning of my story from the moment that I came to the United States, what I've done and how we got here. And I never thought we, I would have been at this place that I am right now, which I'm very happy. But, um, but yeah, I think I would like to tell you the beginning of my story and then continue on how we got here. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, for sure. But I mean, just highlighting the time frame of like the everything that's been opening up to you. When we talk yeah, about insane. like being a DACA recipient, you often think about closed doors you know like oh my my status doesn't allow me to do this my status we always focus and I I say that from my own personal experience growing up with no status as a child to becoming you know thankfully to DACA you know having that status that protection from deportation having that work permit a uh, two-year work permit a driver's license and social security it gives you kind of like um, a little crack a window crack to get into a job, get into things that you can make a living and and be part of, you know, regular society. But a lot of the times when you think about where we are in in, in our own status, our own mind, we tell ourselves, I can't do that because I'm a dreamer. I can't do that because I'm a DACA recipient. I can't, there's a lot of no's and a lot of doors, a, a lot of doors that close. But here you are just from the seven months from when you posted that video to where you are now And a lot of doors are opening to you, to you as a voice for our community, to you as a dreamer, to you and your own person, like the, the, the deal with, um, you said Jarritos, like, dude, that's so awesome. And so I definitely want to congratulate you for all of that and for keeping up with everything. Cause I know all of that, that you just mentioned, I'm like one thing after another, after another, and I'm like, damn, when do you have time for you? But we'll get to that as we get through this episode, because I definitely want to find out how are you managing everything coming to you so fast? Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, I want to start off from the beginning. Um, as uh, you know, we do here at the Prickly Things podcast, I always like to ask your coming to America story, right? Like I want to embrace where are you from? How did you get here? What was Frida like when she was little? What were your dreams and aspirations? Tell me everything so before I start with the story, um, just a quick little uh, note. Today, I, um, I texted my husband um, the article because I got it during work. He, uh, Annabelle from United We Dream texted me the, art- the link said, hey, Frida, it's up. So I sent it to Brandon, my husband, and my Houston Chronicle article just came out Friday, right? So Brandon replied to me, he was like, damn, babe, you're killing it. And I was like, yeah, I am. <laughs> it's just, it's, it, it honestly has been like right now, it's like one thing after the other, like I'm not stopping, just work, work, work. And honestly, it does make me very happy, especially because like you said, growing up, knowing that you're undocumented, that you're Latina, that you're a you're woman. A woman. <laughs> Yeah, really. Jinx, yeah. you owe me a jarrito for sure. Well, we yeah. see each other. You have to, we have to have a jarrito together. No, really. Like we have everything against us, like everything against us. You think you grow up thinking about, oh my God, I'm not going to make it. Like I'm going to be, I'm not going to do anything with my life. You There's know, I want to out do, there for me. Yeah. I want to do so much, but 
all the odds that against me, so I'm not going to be anything. And now, you know, the way that I see things coming to me, and I know it's just the beginning, and I cannot even imagine to like, I cannot even start to imagine what is coming next, because I know there's going to be more things coming up, because I'm going to continue working hard, you know, because things don't come by magic, you got to work for them. And, um, and because I know that I'm going to continue working hard, I'm just like, oh, just thinking about it. But I'm very excited for what's co- what's to come. I cannot wait. I cannot, con- you know, wait to continue raising my boys and raising awareness. And and honestly, my goal in life right now, and it always has for a long time, it's I want to get at like huge platform, a huge, like not like what we have right now. Right now, I have 150,000 followers on TikTok. I'm going to get to 1 million one day and that 1 million girl is going to be speaking headlines about being a DACA recipient because that's, those are the things that matter. You know, there's so many things going on and put not like the things that influencers talk nowadays, it's just okay. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to talk bad about anyone, but I want to be an influencer that talks about that actually influence for something good, you know, and for the topics that are so important that no one speaks about. And if we don't have people to speak up for us, then we have to speak up for ourselves. So I'm just very uh, excited for, again, for what I know it's coming. Definitely. We are excited for you. Like me as someone that follows you, that is always like up to date with like, what is Frida up to? Like, oh my gosh, exciting things are coming. And for someone that admires you and the work that you do and and like I said you're paving the way and I think it was mentioned on the article you're paving the way for other dreamers like myself and like you mentioned other people that are not comfortable that are not um there yet right and 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 it's like what we've said before in other episodes you're looking behind you to pull more people to be where you are because this is amazing and if you can do it I feel like everyone can right and that's a message that we want to feature today you yeah. can do this too. And it's important to voice out your, your truth, like voice out your story, regardless whether you're a dreamer or not a dreamer, right? Because I feel like everyone has their own story. And right now, social media is powerful. Like social media mm-hmm. is like, not only trending, but it's it's like taking over our lives in a way. I mean, when we're in a pandemic still and, and stuck in quarantine and, and we're getting out of everything, it's still um, things that are affecting us in everyday life we're able to share with one another. And I think what we are hitting at is being relatable, right? Being the right word. It's that representation. It's important. There and, you go. and we don't have much of that because you know what? This is all true that I'm going to be speaking. Growing up, we learn and we see in telenovelas and we learn in, in movies that Latino people and men and women, Latino women that are in the United States, right, are the maids, are just always the lower people, you know. Um, we're never put as the main character. It's, it's the truth. It's just nothing but the truth. Um, I was just watching a show uh, on Riverdale. And this is so, it has nothing to, I mean, it does. I was watching uh, the trailer on Riverdale from this season. And uh, on the trailer, it's, um, I don't know if you ever watched Riverdale, 
but uh, it's a time jump, right? Like from seven, seven years. Mm-hmm. And on the trailer, it says, uh, Jughead became a writer. Be- uh, Betty became an FBI agent. Uh, Archie it's, uh, went to the military and he is retired. And Veronica got married. That's it? No way. I promise you. I'm not kidding. Go look what it up. What in the world? And I was like, that's it. And I, no, yeah, I'm not kidding. And I told my coworkers, she's Latina. She, they did this on purpose. And my coworkers were like, no, they're all white. My coworkers, I love them to death. But I mean, they don't know. You know, I know. They don't understand. Like, yeah. No, no. I'm like, Donna. Yes. Like she is the only Latina in there, and she, they just said that she got married. I mean, they didn't say she is um, a really uh, successful entrepreneur. No, she's just got married. So growing up, we, we learned that we're meant to be the moms that stay, that stay at home, that we cook, that we clean, and we can't do anything else more than just that. You know, there's no representation, or there is just not as much of a successful Latina, powerful woman, which there is so many. I mean, there's plenty, like we exist, all of us, you know, you, me, Rosalie. And, uh, you know, representation is important. It really is. And that's why it goes back to whatever I was talking to you on TikTok. People saw this successful TikToker on TikTok and never in their head did they, they, they think, Oh, she's an immigrant. No. So whenever they saw that an immigrant was a successful TikToker, wait, what? Because there's not much of that. And the ones that are immigrants, they don't speak about it because again, we've been we've been thought to not speak about it, which is fine. You know, I get it. For many years I didn't. That's why for me it's so important to right now speak up because we exist, we live here. I I, I exist. Everyone, I exist, she exists, we exist, you know, and honestly, right now, I'm just, I'm just kind of, uh, I want to make noise that we're here and we're here to stay. That's the (laughs) motto of like, that's a dreamer motto. That's, that's the focus. And that's again, our our preach. I'm like, yes, girl. Yes, girl. Because everything that you're talking about, like that, that's exactly, I think we all share and all of us that have found our voice, right? Like myself, you, Rosetti, you're, you're like shouting out, you know, everyone that's in this community, standing up for each other in collaborations and voicing out our, again, our stories. We talked about how um, people that have already been opened up about their story, right? Like without sharing that they're dreamers. And I think if, if I, am able to like I want to talk about how this podcast got started because everything that you're saying it's that I was going through a really hard time in my own personal bubble of being a DACA recipient right um I've shared that for six weeks my DACA expired the renewal took so long to come in and I was out of a job for six weeks I was in a dark place for six weeks the first thing with podcasts being so like user-friendly, just get on a podcast and start listening to people, trying to get some inspiration, some motivation. I looked up for DACA episodes, anyone talking about DACA, a YouTube video, something DACA related that I can feel on and say, you know what, people are going through this. I could not find anything DACA that was speaking about DACA that dreamers were talking about on podcasts. And I was like, that's so sad. Like, I need this right now. Like, I need someone to 
tell me, hey, I've been through that. Hey, I'm there for you. Even through an episode, through hearing someone, because, you know, when you're and I sharing our stories, obviously you were talking to me, but as I'm listening, I feel like I'm part of the conversation. You know, I feel like I'm there in the room. So I hope anyone listening to us today feels like, hey, you're sitting with us here in this room right now. And so to me, I'm like, how is that possible? You know, like, this is not, this is not it. So, and some of the the things that I highlighted this on the first episode ever, one of the episodes I, that I did hear about was from David Dobrik, if I'm saying his mm-hmm. name right. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a shame that that's the only representation that I've seen so far <laughs> about being a DACA recipient, because that's a But total... even then, but even then, he's not, he doesn't speak about he it. He doesn't I mean, speak we, about it. Yeah. There was one episode he, he has. Yes. And there was one episode and he briefly talked about it. And yet his experience is completely different from any other experiences that we could all relate on right because again it's just the way that you portray the information and how people receive it and to me I'm like well if a celebrity like in his platform gets to talk that's when people start paying attention like oh like you said this person that no way like we should do something about it like they deserve to be here like they deserve citizenship and it's like that's how it works like it's crazy how being open about your own story creates that wave of and in that movement so when you got reached out, like saying, hey, I can't believe this is going on and I can't believe this is happening to you. That's, again, it speaks about what people do know and don't know about DACA, right? It's still nine years later, Frida, people still don't know what DACA is. And you know what's so important to me, at least in my social media platform, is that, yes, I, I speak up about DACA, but I also make my own videos outside of you know speaking about DACA because it's important for me for people to know that I'm a normal person. You know, being DACA is not my personality trait. And there's so much more of me than just being DACA. DACA is a huge part of me. It, you know, it opens so many doors for me and I'm so proud I'm gonna forever speak up about it. Even when I'm, like I said, we're manifesting girl, let's manifest me here. Yes. When, I, <laughs> when I become a, a bigger and successful influencer, it's always gonna be part of me, you know? Um, but it's also important as well for people to feel relatable. Oh, she does her makeup. Oh, she eats and dresses up, you know, because if I'm just, you know, serious, speaking about DACA, like how many people are, people are really going to relate to me? And gonna like I get so many messages all the time, like, hey, um, I just applied for my DACA and it's been taking three weeks. Like, I they I feel approachable to that to them and they reach out to me and it's wonderful it's beautiful it's a beautiful thing so again you know I I love speaking up about that guy and I will continue to do it but it's also that important for me that people know that I'm a normal person with a regular life that does yeah. things <laughs> <laughs> that eats sleeps and yeah. needs some rest and definitely and Again, we'll get to feature a lot more of that because it's it's a lot, right? It's a huge journey that you're going through right now. Um, but yeah, taking it back to when it first started, like let's let's start there. Um, obviously, you know, being a dreamer, we've shared that we've came to the U.S. as kids. That's that's what en- encompasses the word dreamer, right? We are mm-hmm. DACA is deferred action for childhood arrivals. We arrived here as children. How old were you mm-hmm. when you got here? I was ten years old. I was, I was, I was a kid. I was really young. How old were you? I was seven. Yes. If I do the math, cause I'm like, oh my gosh, 
yeah, it was a long time ago. I, was, I know. <laughs> it was like I, realizing, like, oh shoot, like it's over half my life, girl, right? I'm old. I'm like, I'm you could not be that old. old. Do you know how old I am? We I don't. A- Mm-mm. You gotta guess. <laughs> don't put me on the spot here. Oh my gosh. How, how um, do I look? See, you don't look older than 30 for sure. No. <laughs> no. 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 Oh, okay. I was like, you're laughing because no. you are. I was like, no, no, no definitely no, no, not older no. than 30. I would say if anything, you would be uh, 25, 26. I'm 25. Yay. Okay. So yeah. I wasn't too far yeah. off. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, I came here when I was 10 years old. I was just a little girl and I remember everything because even though I was a little girl, I was at an age where like you remember, you know? Uh, I don't really remember much of my life. I mean, I do, but I don't. You know, I know that growing up, I always wanted to be an actress and a singer, which singer is never going to happen because I cannot sing. Uh, actress, hopefully, you know, I have my actress aspirations. Uh, and um, I knew that I always wanted to make a difference. Like growing up, I've always been very dramatic. I love drama. <laughs> Telenovelas, girl. Tell me. Yeah. Growing yeah. up. I mean, I assume you watched the novelas as a kid, right? Like, I did. which one was your favorite? If you can name a favorite, like, kids telenovela from, like, Televisa Niños, which Ale- one would you Alegre say? Girl! Ah! Rescate, RBD. RBD is my OG. Like, that's mm, my... I didn't oh, watch no. that one. I love Rebelde. Uh, but uh, and you said you were not a singer girl (laughs) (laughs) I caught you um I mean la niña de la mochila so I mean I grew up with all of Mm -hmm. those things so um and then um you know I my family and I had a really beautiful childhood my mom used to work as a era un ambulante uh, tenía su un puesto en el, en el metro. So I used to go, I was working with my mom from a really young age. She would take me to her job because she would not leave me home. So uh, me hacía una cama de madera. Like I would sleep in a plywood. And on top of the plywood, she would put like um, cobijas. So um, there was times where my mom, I remember she would leave para ir a, a comprar mercancía. And uh, me dejaba en el... En el and so puesto sola, y yo tenía que, like, take care of the customer. So they'll come. My mom had a, tenía un, un puesto de regalos. Like, she had, like, little different things. Like, tenía mascaras, tenía, like, purses, and just a bunch of things that people would buy as presents. And then we would wrap them up. So llegaban los customers, and they were like, hola, ¿cuánto cuesta esta? And I was like, 55 pesos. And they were like, oh, okay. And then, like, um, like ¿lo quiere envuelto o no? No, okay, see, and girl, I don't know how I did it, but I did it. So I met in this eight-year-old envolviéndolo y tomando dinero y se lo daba. I mean, I was an uh, ambulante. That's really what it was. Like, you know, you ever watched, um, like, shows de los personas que viven, trabajan como tipo mercado? No era un mercado, it's not a mercado, but era fuera de un uh, bus, no, del metro. Yeah, so, like a tianguis, yeah. right? Like, would it be of. like a tianguis? It, the, the puestos are very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a Tianqui setting, but the, I mean, that kind like of like on la chosa. Tents, and so yes. Yeah. Okay. And so, where was this located? This uh, Mexico City. 
Mexico You're City. from El DF. I am from El DF. Oh my God. Girl, I don't know. Like I, I featured another guest from El DF and I was like, uh, do you speak like Chilango or like, do you have the Chilango like accent? Because do you or do you know? Uh, I don't think so. Look, voy a hablar español tantito para que lo escuches. Yo personalmente no siento que lo tenga. Este, cuando hablo español, la gente me dice que me escucho como a uh, una muchacha que, ¿cómo me dicen? A Rosa de Guadalupe, girl. Whatever that means. I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> como, me, como que me escucho muy um, fresa, I guess. Because people here are used to hearing people that speak Spanish not the correct way, right? Definitely. Like, uh, we, we, like what do you say? We were like prepared a for a Spanglish here. Yeah. yeah like a Chicano, right? Like they speak Chicano. Uh, I'm like, oh, el parqueadero, el la, mm-hmm. la troca, and, you know, and I don't speak like that. Whenever I speak Spanish, I speak it very proper because I did come to the United States at a very young age. I mean, a really old age to me was my first language. So, se me quedó. Entonces, bueno. Entonces, bueno, ni tanto, eh. Ahora ya no me sé ni un idioma ni el otro. Ni el otro. <laughs> yes, yes, I know. So, but you would have gone to school in Mexico, or like, right? Like, you went through third grade? Uh, I don't know, girl. I don't know, but I, I went to Mexico. I went to Escuela de Pagua en Mexico. Mi mamá trabajaba muy fuerte para que pudiéramos ir a una buena escuela. My sister and I, I have a sister and a brother. My sister is 20 years old and my brother is eight years old. So um, I uh, I had like Hawaiiana classes, like dancing. And uh, I always liked dancing, even though I was really, really, really bad. But my mom me ponía en clases y me tenía bailando bien feo. But, you know, I tried really hard. But dicen que la práctica hacia el maestro. Because I was really bad. I mean, I had two pies de izquierdos. And now I'm like, okay, girl, I see me. You know, I mean, I know I'm not the best of the best, but I did become a professional dancer. And I'll tell, I'll tell you more about it later. So, um, so yeah, basically, um, that was my life in Mexico. And uh, my mom and my dad worked really hard. My dad decided to come to the United States, you know, to look for a better life. He was here for a, a year. And... Um, and my mom estaba sacando la visa. She was getting the visa and it was taking too long. I always had a very big belly, like the little, as a little girl growing up. And uh, when my dad came to the United States, like two months later, my, my belly was gone because I felt in a huge, huge depression. And, uh, and my mom knew it. So my mom and my dad were really like rushing. Like they wanted a, like, to reunite the family. So my dad was one day was like, ¿Sabes qué? Just pásate. And my mom was like, what? So my mom made the decision from one day to the other. I'm not kidding, girl. Like, we were living our lives regularly. And then one day, my mom is like, nos vamos a Estados Unidos. And uh, she literally sold all her furniture from, like, one day to another. I'm not kidding. Like, the decision was made like this. All her family was like, what? I remember the day before we left, I was hanging out with my primas at their house when I found out that we were leaving. And um, toda la familia was like, why, like, con por qué? My mom had a, my mom worked in the delegation de, de Mexico. Ella trabajaba en la política. And uh, she was going to get a really good, like, job. But my mom, they wanted overall. I mean, we didn't really do as bad in Mexico, but they wanted better. And, uh, and my dad was here. They wanted to reunite the family. 
but we didn't do as bad because they work hard. But like, if I think back to it, girl, like I was like, yo me dormía, like I said, in like little wood, little um, bed. I mean, my mom, my my mom and the dad, my dad, they work really, really hard. And yo desde chiquita um, trabajé. I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I could, I can't say que trabajé porque volver mis regalos y vendérselo era trabajar, you know? Entonces, bueno, when we crossed the border, we crossed the border with nothing, like nada, más que la ropa que teníamos puestas y unos documentos de mi mamá que tenía. We had to leave everything behind. And again, it's crazy because you hear about these things in, in movies and, and you don't think it's real, but like, it, it is, you know, this is my life and every, a lot of different people's lives. So um, I didn't really know what was happening, but I knew what was happening. You know what I mean? And I just knew that we were in a moment of that, that was important and that anything could happen, you know? Yeah. But I still didn't understand it quite well. Um, we've crossed very beautifully, uh, you know, over, I mean, overall, you know? Uh, and, uh, and that's when our story, story, my story started here in the United States. And, um, I remember my first day of school was really hard. I mean, obviously, I didn't know how to speak the language. I didn't know how to speak English. And I remember, I, I'm not kidding when I tell you that I had people que me dijeron, why are you speaking Spanish here in America? I'm not kidding. And uh, because when I came here in Mexico, people dressed with like faldas and long socks. So I dressed like that. Yes. <laughs> Talk about the uniforms. Yes. And Dude, I miss those. And I, I mean, I know like the, the, col the color that we had to use was like the, the khaki and the white. So I got me a khaki um, um, skirt. skirt and a white shirt and my, my uh, white socks. Everyone was like, what the hell is going on with this girl? Like, what? <laughs> and I always had really thin eyebrows. Like, I mean, I'm sorry, really thick eyebrows. And I had a unibrow. So I got bullied, like, that I'm so hairy. And these are things that really did hurt me at the moment. I remember I shaved. Uh, surely I got my eyebrows walked. Like, I'm talking about, like, they were super thin. Uh, I have, um, I, I did a thing with um, the lady of the Lake University. Not the panel that I told you about. A different thing where they invited me to talk to girls from uh, the poorest areas of San Antonio, young girls that are in um, middle school. And uh, in there, I made a video. I mean, I made a presentation of my story. And, uh, and I talked about my insecurities and things, you know, coming here. And one of them was my eyebrows. And so I have a, I showed them a picture of how thin my eyebrows, like how thin I made them. And, uh, and of course, later on, I, I learned how to like accept myself and love myself, every aspect of myself, including my eyebrows. I know I have thick You eyebrows. have beautiful eyebrows. <laughs> like you're talking about them. I'm not like, girl, I'm like jealous. Like they're beautiful. No, but you know, with so many people telling me and you grow this insecurity. So, and then again, later on, you learn to love them. But at the moment it was really like, you're not like the rest really hard. No. people pick on you for that because you're different. And when you're talking about the change that you're realizing going from one state to now being in the United States, the change that comes with it, not only the language, the culture, the food, the environment, I mean, everything you, you're going from el DF, que es una ciudad ambulante, que es una ciudad, o sea, 
pasas en la calle y hay tacos, hay comida, hay gente. Like, to Houston, what was the culture shock getting into Houston? It was a lot. I remember when we got here, we're like, ¿dónde está la gente? Because in Mexico, there's people everywhere, right? We're like, aquí no vive nada, no, no vive nadie. And um, I mean, the culture too. And honestly, what really shocked me was school because I felt like in my, when I was in my school, everything, everyone was so innocent. Like, it was different. Like, we were still playing games and stuff. And then I got here, and I'm not kidding. My first day of school, no, like the first week, it was the first time I ever heard about sex. I'm not kidding. Like, they told me, I don't want to say it in here, but they told me something. I was like, ¿Qué es eso? Like, no, no entendí, lo entendí, lo entendí después. Pero la gente aquí estaba mucho más avanzada, much, es súper diferente, la verdad. And, uh, and I also entered ESO classes. And it's really sad for me to say this, but ESO classes, most of the people in ESO classes were people que eran, you know, estaban en, en, en gangs, estaban fumando, and, and a really, like, a, in a really young age. So going from, like, going in a private school coming here, I was like, what and um it's very nice because I did get bullied it was really hard but shortly after um because I did have ESL classes I was the top of my classes I got like all kinds of diplomas my first year of school the next year um in school I got taken out of ESL I got tested for gifted and talented so I became a gifted and talented student the next year I, I got I joined AP classes And I just started excelling in school and everyone was like, like, Frida? Like, Who is she? Yeah. Like, la Latina? Like, like how? Like, ni siquiera habla inglés. And honestly, I, I open to this day, I'm like, I mean, you don't need English to, like, do math problems, right? <laughs> and I've always been a very perfectionist. I remember one year in my high school years, um, I've always been really good at writing. Um, but as you can tell, I have an accent. So in all my papers, me daban un cinco, because, you know, hay un número, like, grades de uno al cinco. Y un, one year, one of my teachers told me, she was like, how do you write so good? Are you cheating? Like, I promise you. And now I think about it, the, the when she told me I laughed, and I think about it, and I'm like, rude. Like, why would you say that? You know, but it was because of, I don't even speak that well the language, but somehow I'm an incredible writer. <laughs> And I feel like as I'm so, I'm a perfectionist, I have good pronunciation, it's important to like sit down and okay, let's do this right, even if it takes you a long time, you know? But anyways, going back to the story. So uh, yeah, I started excelling in school and then um, I start. I got into theater arts when I was in middle school and um, my first ever time that I joined theater, my teacher my director told me that I had to change, well, take out my accent because I had a really deep accent for my character. Uh, her name was Kelly. That was the last time I was part of theater in, no school, way. in, in school. It was so much for me. I felt so embarrassed, like, embarrassed and I did not. Belittled, like belittled. Yeah. This is something about you that it's really hard. I mean, we're talking about like professionals in the acting industry. Talk about like, I've seen it where like someone from like Britain um, is talking about like, oh, there I was like, you're, you're British. Like, oh, wow. When you're in the movie, you hear them speak English and you don't hear it. But that's like going through vocal classes and being a professional actor when you're in school, 
being yourself, you get asked to change something about you. I mean, I was like 14 years old. And he told me that I had to like somehow work on my accent because it was not working for the character. So I did finish, you know, that that year and I did do the character of Kelly, but I never joined theater arts again because I was like, okay, this is not going to happen. I suck and I hate my accent. And, um, and I hate that I can't speak it well and I hate this and this. And it was really hard. I mean, years growing up, I mean, I, I felt like I did not belong. I felt like I was never going to be able to excel on the things that I wanted, like, because I loved acting. And I'm like, damn it, now I can't be in acting, right? So then I turned into dancing. So I joined uh, A-Leaf Jazz, uh, A-Leaf Junior Jazz Ballet, which was a team in my middle school. And then in high school, I joined the A-Leaf Jazz Ballet. So it was junior and then the actual team. And it was really nice because I wasn't part of the team of my school. I was part of the team of my district. It was a really nice team. It was a really nice team. We did so many things. We did competitions. We did jazz, ballet, hip hop. And at the same time as I was in high school, I've always been one to do a lot. I was in a team, the Florclorico. Se llama Ballet Raíces de Mi Tierra. And so in there, we did salsa, tango, um, we did uh, Zapateo Mexicano, Florclor de, de El Salvador, de Colombia, like, porque era de todos los lados de Latinoamérica. And uh, shortly after, well, I, the two years later, the ballet stopped. So I joined a different group que se llamaba Orquilla de Colombia, que era nada más de Colombia, but it was beautiful. I was there for four years. So for a long time, I felt like, era colombiana, a mí no, a mí siempre <laughs> mexicana, pero yeah. ya muy cerca de Colombia, because all the people that I was around were Colombian, and I feel, and it was re- a really cool thing about it, is that all the members from the team, from the ballet were really, like, they were older people, I was like 14, and, you know, growing into this ballet, and they were like 23, 24, 25, but really being part of something like that, I feel like are the things that have helped me become who I am because I've always been around people that have influenced me to be better, to be good. And I feel, I always feel like it's, it's hard and sometimes it's, it's not a good thing. But I have so many people looking at me that it's scary to fail, you know? And again, it's not always a good thing because I shouldn't do any, something for other people. I should do it for myself, which I am. But for a long time, I did feel like, oh, my God, I have to do this porque si no me van a decir esto, you know? And I kind of had to, like, learn to do things for me, not for other people. But again, it's also a great thing that I've grown with so many mentors in my life. So going back to the stories, I was in the dance teams and I was a student of the month a couple of different months. Every single year, I was class president my uh, freshman year. Um, and... So my parents got divorced at the age of 14. And shortly after, my dad got deported. So that was a huge like thing that marked my life. I have not seen my dad since I was 14. So it's been like 11 years 11 now. 11 years. Yeah, it's been a long time. And it's been really hard. My mom, you know, my parents were, were not together anymore. But my mom basically... Desde los 14 hasta ahorita, was a single mom. Solita lo tuvo que hacer todo. 
So um, my mom, um, she had her own business. She had a Zumba studio. But during the time that they got divorced and my tia got cancer, my mom lost her business. So it became really, really, really hard for her. Uh, había veces que no teníamos ni, ni dinero para comer. Hasta el día de hoy me acuerdo que había veces, I'm not kidding, que vamos a la gasolina y una vez mi mamá, como dos veces, le pidió dinero a random stranger que si le prestaba para la gasolina. Obviamente dinero que nunca pagó, ¿verdad? Um, and they were really nice people. They were like, claro, you know? But like, it was that bad. So it was really hard because at that age, I wish I could do something to help, but I couldn't because I was just, you know, an immigrant. And where do I get a job? So because I was in dance, I did do like a lot of uh, different freelances. I had classes aquí y allá. Me pagaban 50 dólares a la clase. So I had, and I had like two classes a day. So I had my 100 dollars a day. So look at you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I was able to help out my mom, you know, from a really, really young age. I had to step up to the table and start like, my mom no podía sola. Entonces yo tenía que ayudar para salir adelante para pagar la renta. Also, at that age, we got the boys, perdió la casa. A los, a los, a, when I was 16, I was already in leases from the apartments. Even though I didn't have a DACA, just they needed another person and I was the one in the lease, my mom and I. And the responsibility, the responsibility also fell on me. I mean, it was, it was a lot, you know, and growing up, my friends were always like, you know, going on trips and they had cars. Well, I couldn't have a car. And how could I ask my mom for a car? A cell you know, phone. Like- <laughs> I was in the same boat as you're talking about everything related, like having a single parent and having to be responsible and having to, I mean, for us, and as you're describing this, I've, I've shared, sometimes you have to be the dad in the family, right? In no, a family honestly- structure, it's the mom, the dad, and the, the, the kids. You and I, and I can relate because as you're talking about this, I'm just like, girl, you and me were in two different parallel zones doing the same thing because it's hard and nobody talks about that, right? Those things as a kid, you want to be like everybody else, but yet you have to work and be responsible for everybody else in your family. It was really difficult. And I think one of, I'm skipping a bit, but we're about talking this, about talking about this topic. I was in a way the dad of a family. And from age 16, all the way into the age 24 that I live with my mom. And it's really hard. And I think you can relate with me. Where like, you feel like you can't leave home. But at the same time, I have to make my own life. And, and it's time for me to grow. But it's such a hard thing to do. Because no es como que. It's not like. Like we're in Mexico, right? When like you leave your home and your family has all this other family to come back on. My mom has no one. My mom no tiene, no tiene primas, no tiene tías, no tiene hermanas, aquí nadie. It's just me, my mom, my sister, my brother now. That's all. How do I turn my back to my mother? How? You know, and um, I mean, and I didn't turn my back to my mom. I still talk to her and, and actually... I'm very proud of this because from a really wrong age, like I said, I stepped up to the plate. I'm actually really happy because I'm taking my mom on a vacation on this coming uh, month on the 8th. And um, 
my mom has never gone to a vacation since she got to the United States. And it's, we've been going through a lot of uh, hard patches right now with my family. And my, my husband was like, you know what, your mom needs a vacation. And I was like, yeah, she does. I was like, pues lo malo que I've been spending a lot of money ahorita con que dinero. I'm like, it's fine next year. And as the days progress, I was like, am I really going to wait until my mom is like, it's like 65 years old. Ya no puedo so go, go y oh. este Girl, you're going to make me cry. Like, I'm really going to wait until my mom ya no puedo caminar to take her out somewhere and show her that she matters. I mean, I've always showed her that, that she matters and I love her because I am everything that I am because of my mom. Mi mamá siempre has pushed me to do better and good and she is like my number one fan and mi mamá me llevaba mis clases, pobrecita. I'm telling you about all of these things, but behind all of this, it's someone and that's my mom. Y me, me sacaba de la escuela, me tenía mi lunch, me llevaba a la práctica, en la práctica me llevaba todo mi, mis medias, mi ropa, me pasé a mi chongo, I mean, you know, but, um, so that was one of the hardest things too. Like, how do I leave the love of my life? To me, my mom is the love of my life. So I was like, you know what? I don't care. No sé cómo le hago, pero yo me llevo a vacaciones este año. So I, uh, I made the, I got the tickets and everything like three days later. And now we're going on a vacation. So I'm really excited. Um, I'm really, really excited. Like, me da ser tan feliz porque mi mami trabaja tanto. And like, no tiene momento like to descansar. Like, like cuando, I don't, I can't remember when was the last time she was like, I'm taking a time for myself. Just for her. Yeah. So, a self-care day that we all need and we all advocate about. But when does it really apply to our parents or our mom? And uh, so, yeah, I'm really, really happy about that. How did we get here? We were, we were talking so, about something else. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, it's fine. Uh, we were talking about how um you were at oh. 16 your parents divorced and you all this stuff happening where you're trying to be with your friends and you're trying to be and and you're learning not to ask for things because when you're coming from a single mother household or single parent household low income um working your way through since you're a young age at this time you're seeing everybody else not being like you and you have to work we've talked about this as an undocumented person, either from a child or from an adult, we work twice or even three times as hard as the next person to get at the same level, to make it into that playing field. And that yeah. what you're telling me, that's that was you. As you were telling me that people had cars, people had places to go, vacations and, and things going on at 16. I mean, you're in high school, right? Like these things matter to a high schooler. And here you were, Taking responsibility Working. in yeah. your house. But you know what? Sometimes like growing up, you think about it. Ay, pobrecita de mí. I'm such a victima. But now that I think about it, it's part of my journey. It's part of what's made me who I am today. And I would not do it any other different. You know, I don't know if I didn't have the responsibilities that I did now, if I would be the person that I am now. And I am a responsible woman. I am a successful woman. And it is all because of my journey, you know, is it sucks que nos toca más difícil, pero it's at the end of the day, I do have a beautiful story. And I'm, I'm very proud of everything that I've been accomplished or from what I've, where I came from, you know, and the reality is that in Mexico, like la familia te ve y piensan que, 
you know, you're like, wow, it's son ricos. Like, no, like everything that you see me doing, me ha costado, me ha costado, me ha costado mucho, you know. Nada, la vida sí es más fácil aquí, en a way, o es, bueno, no es más fácil, es un estilo diferente de vida. Pero todo cuesta, y cuesta mucho dinero. And it's been really hard. Like, las cosas no caen del cielo. Like, el dinero no, cre no crece en los árboles. Los árboles. <laughs> so, it's been really hard. But, um, So yeah, it was really difficult, you know, being at that age and kind of having to step up and um, and taking responsibility for me, for my mom, for my sister. I was just getting mama. I, 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 I promised you. She's like, ¿Cómo voy a pagar la renta? No tengo para sacar la renta. Like, ¿Cómo le hago? And I would, yo no sé cómo sacaba la renta. Many, many, many times, over and over again. And um, so anyways, I continued growing up. And para esto, this is a different... This is how my life changes and when it started changing. Mi mamá todos los años se iba a downtown Houston at the corner of an ice skating rink to sell little lights. Like, you know the lights that they sell at festival for little kids? Like the ones that turn... The glow sticks? No. Like, like they have like little figurines and like, kid, like swords and things like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So my mom would stand in the corner of the park every single year y los vendía. Y mamá nos llevaba a mí y a mi hermana every single day. Que she's always said que el enemigo de un, de un joven es el teléfono y el ocio. So she would not let us, you know, stay at the house by ourselves. So nos llevaba y ahí nos tenía salado en una, mes, en una sillita, freezing to death, que she was so cold. Y cuando mi mamá tenía dinero extra para darnos para patinar, nos daba para patinar. No siempre, porque uno tiene que saber desde chiquita, hay, nos enseñaron que cuando se puede, se puede, cuando no se puede, no se puede. Y había veces que aunque hiciera dinero, sabíamos que el dinero era para las cosas como para comer. comida, claro. Mm -hmm. La renta, ya. Yeah. Entonces, when she had extra money, she would give us money to go skate. So, going there year after year, I became friends with the man with the operations manager. And uh, it got to the point where I, they would let me in for free. Y yo siempre he sido una persona muy gentil, muy, uh, bueno, es que no soy yo. Es la cultura mexicana, ¿no? La cultura de los latinos. Personas que nos gusta acomodar, que nos gusta, ¿qué te ayudo? ¿Qué hago? You know, yes. especially if they were letting me in for free, well, what can I do for you? <laughs> you know? Entonces, al final, like, when the rink would close and there was all the skates all around the ice rink, I would go and help, you know? So, so the operations manager, it's like, Frida, you always help. Like, you might as well just work here. And I was like, yeah, I might as well just work here. Well, he did not know that at the moment I did not have documents. So I was able to work one year without documents in there because um, they, they didn't really ask for it. They didn't really care. And so that was that. And then the next year, um, I get a call from Luis, and who is still my friend of the day. He changed my life, and I love him to death. He is like, Frida, ¿cómo estás, mi Frida? Hablé con Mike. Mike is the owner of the company. Y te recomendé, porque pienso que you would be a really good candidate to be the supervisor of the rink. And I was like, oh, But I knew that this means that, like, if I'm getting to a higher level, they're going to ask me for my papers. You know what I mean? 
So I was like, oh, que bueno, sí, gracias. But little did he know, he, I didn't have papers, right? Because again, you How don't talk about you? this. During this whole thing, how old were you? When I, my first year working there, I was, I was 17 turning 18. And then the next year is when they, because I only worked one year there without anything. So the next year they asked me that. And I was like, yeah, claro, claro que estoy interesada. I was like, I can't. Here's the first, ¿Cómo? I can't. Exactly. Like, ¿Cómo le voy a hacer? <laughs> you know, ¿Cómo le voy a hacer? Entonces, este... Para esto, yo me había graduado de, de high school. Y para eso, let me go backtrack real quick. When I was applying for my college, for my, co my college applications, they asked me for a social security. And that was my first, well, I don't have a social security. And um, so then they asked me if I had like a PIN number I was, or a TIN number. I don't know my what that is. TIN number. Yeah. I was like. What is that? What is that? In la ignorancia hizo que no hiciera nada de mi college. And I did not apply for it. I did not go to college. And nowadays I think about it and it's sad because I was so, I was such a good student. I really was. And I feel like I could have like, you know, had a great um, carrera. But al final de cuentas no me arrepiento because I've gone a different path and I'm proud of my path. And I've been successful with that at degree. I do wish now, and I do want to go back to school at some point to study law. Um, pero en el momento no pasó, y los momentos son, you know, todo viene a su, a su momento. Pero at that moment, it was a really, like, moment that, like, it was, I was really heartbroken because I wanted to continue. And I could have asked, but a quien le preguntaba? Because by then, I was so ashamed to speak up about it. Like, People would ask me now, well, why don't you just go to a counselor? Why well, did not want to go and talk to a counselor and tell them, oh, es que no tengo papeles. I really did feel like I was going to get deported. Like they were going to call ICE on me and I was going to get deported. I was seriously scared. So no, I was, I, I honestly was just trying to like, I'm under the shadows. I don't want anyone to know about me, about my status. So, okay, ni, no puedo, ni modo. Move on with your life. And it was really again really painful for me because I was a really like I was top of my class it was it was a really like a heartbreaking moment for me and my second thing it's being in that job and I'm like well, ¿cómo lo voy a hacer? Entonces, para esto, DACA was already a thing but my mom could not afford it so because we always stood at that little like um corner of the ice skating rink había un Señor que se llama Suri, que es un security guard that goes around on his bike. And he would like stop and we would talk. And, you know, people that you like, los ves, los saludas. ¿Cómo estás? How was your day? And es un señor este, African-American. And uh, so I don't know how in the conversation, like, I le conté, I opened up to him. I told him that, you know, me había salido una oportunidad, but I was really upset porque no me va, no me iba, no le iba a poder tomar porque soy ilegal. Y, but somehow, like, I told him que había un DACA, pero no tenía dinero. Girl, three days later, he comes y me da el dinero. A total stranger. I mean, he knew me, but he was a stranger. He wasn't my family, you know. He, and I was like, no, I can't take it. And uh, he was like, no, you have to. I'm like, I can't. 
You have to, because I see so much potential on you. And I know you're going to do great things. Nice. All you need, it's a push. And, I'm tr- and I see it on you. I see it on you. And I know I'm not going to regret it. Here's the money. Take, Take it. it. And like, my like, tears started like, you know, it was, oh my God. <laughs> it's insane. And that, you know, it's really beautiful about it. That we've stayed in touch. I haven't talked to him for a whole, like, one year, maybe. But as I was telling um, Joy from the Houston Chronicles about my story, she was really impacted by my, the story of Surrey. So she asked to interview him. So he comes out. There's a little part about him in the article where she interviews him. And if you ever want to, I can send it to you after. Definitely. And, uh, I'm pretty sure everyone listening, like I said, pretty of that you have me in tears and I'm trying to like to be sobbing but I'm like as you're sharing this like and I just want to share how beautiful everything that you're talking about is and how special and dear it is and mentioning it here on the show like first of all like I said thank you so much for for being so vulnerable and sharing every single detail the way that you are because girl I'm, I'm I'm visualizing this in my head and I'm pretty sure everyone listening to if anybody else is crying, it's okay. I am crying with you because this has just definitely touched me in so many ways. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, he changed my life. Surrey changed my life. So I, I sure enough, I sure went and I did my DACA and I, it, was, it went really fast, like in two months. I was able to join and I became the um, supervisor. It, this was only a temporary job. It was only for like three months. And then the ring closes and then you open again. So I became the supervisor. And then I became the assistant manager. And then assistant manager again. And then I became the Benny manager, the Benny manager. And now I'm a project manager of all Texas. With my, with my company. So it's, it's insane how life works and how it all started because my mom used to stand in the corner outside and because she was an ambulante, <laughs> los policías la sacaban. No te puedes parar aquí. No te puedes parar aquí. Te tienes que ir afuera del parque. So we started from going around the park trying to make a living to me being the person inside the rink and now I'm the person running that rink but not just that rink a lot of rinks around Texas like how crazy is that and how powerful is it and you know what the craziest thing is that um that Joy wanted to to show in the Houston Chronicle article is that so many people come to this rink every Christmas season if they only knew that a dreamer is what's bringing your, your holiday dreams come to life, isn't that crazy? So that alone, like I'm very proud of just that story by itself on how my growth and my hard work. I mean, that was my really, my first, my first real job and it's the job that I still have up to this day. 
So You've been there I, for uh, years. I mean, as you're talking about like moving up and, and everyone, again, when you become part of like working society, right? Like there's a lot of people that hop around jobs. They try something. It doesn't work out. I mean, a lot of us like myself and, and I've related to other people. We started at fast food. We started like learning to work and it's the experience, right? The working experience starts from like fast food, grocery stores, girl, you've been there for years and through that experience, you've grown and grown and grown. At one point, I mean, are you going to own a skating rink? Like, is that <laughs> next? Like, wow. Well, like, I've been crazy. really, I've been really blessed to have landed that job. Uh, it's opened me crazy amount of opportunities. I'm not the project manager of, of Texas, but the two years prior to that, I was running a rink in Bellevue, Washington. So, and, and usually all, all, every time that there's a problem at our rinks, something's happening, they call for help and I go. So I go and I go and fix the problem. So I travel a lot with my job to different states, to different rinks. I believe that one of my biggest gifts in life is to be able to connect with people and talk to people and really get to their level, you know, because no one is really better or, and I, I feel like in the manager area, people tend to be like, like the mamones and like I, I you know, asados like, and like no no yeah, you know, yeah like no we're the same let's talk what's happening let's fix How the can problem I help you yeah and move and move forward you know and I feel like that's been one of like my biggest things of being so successful with my job that uh my jobs and and I don't I don't mean to like um what's the word like I really a really good manager and I feel like it's shown in the in how good my managers do because I and I'm also a really good trainer so I'll go on and train them and like my rings have really good numbers and they're doing all the reports and they're doing um everything that really is required but then you will think some people everyone's gonna do it but no they look like not everyone does it but because my people are so well trained because they're trained with kindness and I mean it, and like passion. With, and, and passion, people lo sienten, like se siente, and they're like, you know what? I'm feeling this. And I'm not, it really, it's part It makes of a it. difference. It does make the whole difference. Going to a job can be so like, whatever, right? Like it's just a nine to five, whatever. But when you strongly believe that what you do makes a difference and you're passionate and excited to be at work, dude, I work in human resources. So everything that you're telling me, I'm just like, I wish, dude, I'm going to have like you do it like training on passion. (laughs) And I'm going to show this like to host like, Hey, this is the, the topic of today. Right. Because what you're saying again, so many people miss the opportunity. And I think it's because of our experiences, right? How much it means to have a job, how much, how much it means to make a living and something that you love and enjoy and are passionate about. You can see it. And definitely you wouldn't be in the position that you are if it weren't that you were good at it, right? Like if you didn't have this passion. And you know what? Um, I think my biggest thing to me is that I failed in my job, but I've learned. And not many people do that, you know, like you do bad and you're like, I like, and then move on. And then you make the same mistakes over and over and again. And every, every trauma that I've had in the way I like stop and I think, okay, this wasn't the right move. What am I doing wrong? 
let's fix it and not try to not make the same mistake, you know? And um, actually it's really funny because we, um, we have a Benny manager meeting every year where we bring all our managers from the different states here to Houston. It's going to be in October. We're already planning for it. I'm on the committee of uh, the training committee. So we were giving like a, who is going to be what training to the managers. And one of the ones that was given to me was training your staff. And I, I personally think that I'm very successful at training your staff because again, it's all about just, uh, training them with passion, training them with respect, tra- treating them like respect, like your equals. And like, to me, one of the biggest things that has worked for me is that tú vas a barrer y yo voy a barrer. Porque I'm not better than you. So así como tú puedes, yo puedo. And, you know, leading by example, like I'm not kidding. And when I was a binding manager myself, yo salía y me veían barrer y, me, y mis empleados, no, 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 Frida, está bien, yo lo hago. I'm like, no, it's okay, mira, agarra la otra, la otra, este. Um, Let's do it together. Yeah. Yeah, I guess a lot together. And they noticed that. And they're like, wow, you know. And some of the employees back then, they're like people that I used to talk to nowadays and they love me and they're really nice because they follow me through everything that I've been doing. And they're like the first ones to come in. Oh my God, I've always knew you were going to do great things. Like, and, uh, you know, and it's really beautiful to, to see. And um, so, yeah, basically with my job, um, I now, I, I did a lot of different rings in previous years. Now I'm based just, I'm doing here in Texas. We have a different project managers in different uh, states. Texas is really big. We have about eight rings in here. So I don't just, like I manage the managers. I have to hire the manager. I have to train the manager. I have to train the employees of the managers. I have to, I'm the person, I mean, it's basically like, um, it's an event. Like I'm, I'm putting up an event. The event from, yeah, event planner. Yeah. The event coordinator from, from, Every single little aspect that you see in there was touched by me somehow, some way. You know, like every corner of the buildings that you see, the way that the buildings are structured, who designed this, who who, who approved it, how are the skates situated? The, there's a document here. There's a, like every single thing goes through me and it's a lot of work. You know, something that's been very beautiful to me it's, you know, bringing the joy to the people that come here and skating. And it's so much work during the season. During next, like August, like late August to uh, December, it is intense. Like I do not sleep. I'm not kidding. I don't know how I'm going to do it so that I'm able to balance this out and Everything. balance. It's, it's a lot because yeah. I can't let go of this. I cannot. But I have to do it and I know that I'll be able to do it. Um. But it's at the end of the day, it's worth it when this rings open and you see families coming together and you see the pictures and people are smiling. And also like another thing that like really blows my mind is that I am Latina, right? And the ice shrink industry, it's an it's an industry of all white people. It's a, it's a reality. And I remember my first venue manager meeting that I went to, the one that I'm planning now, but at, back then I attended. As an employee. Yeah. As an as an employee, I was just the assistant manager, right? And uh, I walk into the room. I'm the only Latina, the only woman, and I'm 19 years old. Y todos los demás are white men de 35, 40 años, and I'm 19 years old. I was like, and you know, I I I do want to do a quick mention because 
I'm not, I'm not where I am where I am, but it would not be without the trust of the owner. His name is Mike Clayton. Well, his name was because he passed away about four, five months ago. He put the trust on me. He saw something on me before I even saw it. He was one of the most wonderful people, if not the most wonderful people that I've ever met in my life. He supported me every step of my life. Um, he supported that I was DACA. Every time that like, you know, when DACA got taken out, taken away because of Trump and, um, and occasionally there will be like, um, like articles about, you know, DACA might make a comeback or whatever. Mike would send me the articles. He's like, oh my God, Frida, this is really good, great news for you. And like, what boss is going to take the time to read an to article acknowledge. and send it over to you? Yes, definitely. And during the Black Lives Movement and, um, and I went to the rallies and I like, I come back. It's like, oh my God, did you see the rally that went on yesterday? I was like, yeah, I was there. Why didn't you tell me? I would have gone with you. And he was the white man that supported me. And I felt he was because my dad left at a really young age. And I haven't really grown with the, you know, father figure. figure. Yeah. He was the closest to that. And I felt so protected that I knew that no matter what happened, <sighs> sorry, that no matter what happened in my life, he would be there for me. You know, it gets you for whatever reason me deportaban. Or había algo, he would be like, no me las metan. We go, what do you need? $20,000? Aquí están, <laughs> las saco. No, I'm being serious. Oh like, my gosh. He, I, I, had, I knew that he would be there for me. And um, he passed away five months ago. And it was a really hard time for me because I, it was really, really hard. And it's I, I, another mention, he, he's also mentioned in my article. And there's a picture of him right here. That's him. Oh yeah, my gosh. So, this is um, Mike. You said Mike Clinton? Mike Clayton. 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 Okay, Mike Clayton. Yes. So, um, and you know what the craziest thing about this girl? This happened about five months ago. During this time is the time that I started like getting crazy on TikTok. And Mike was okay because during this time back then, when I was dancing, I also joined a dance team where we do Brazilian. Uh, we did a, um, Capoeira? Samba, Samba. Oh, okay. So we went to World of Dance, like hosted by Jennifer Lopez. I went, I know. <laughs> did you meet her? Yeah, I did. She was a judge. <laughs> no way. Yeah. So, and he was so excited. And I remember when I left, it was during the season. Like, this competition was during the season. And I was like, Mike, yeah, I had to ask permission. And he was like, of course. I mean, he didn't even think about it. You got to go and, and, you know, and, and follow your dreams. And I support you. And I went. And when I went, like, they posted the picture of me on the website. Like, he was so proud of me, you know. And, um my God got really sick. He got sick for about um, a month. And during the time that he was getting sick, my, my TikTok started blowing up. And shortly I started getting a lot of, and then he passed away. And when he passed away, I got my first, um, my first sponsorship by Topo Chico. And then I started getting all of this like different things. I don't remember exactly what. 
but I, it was a really sad moment for me because I know how proud he would have been and he never got to see it I mean he knew it was coming from me and he supported me so much but he didn't get to see it and like I just like see this like Houston Chronicle article and like he would have lost it I mean he would have like framed it at the skating rink yes I'm not (laughs) kidding you know so it's so sad that he didn't get to see it and I'm I honestly feel like part of of the success of all of this it's Mike you know being there and guiding me and opening doors for me and looking up like welcoming you I think I'm not alone like it's just a reminder that I felt alone but he's like I'm still guiding you and I'm here for you and I'm not kidding it all started happening when he passed away I'm like what I mean what and it was really hard because he passed away and like three days there I started getting all kinds of like people emailing me like I had a um, um I had um I had brand uh, makeup brands reaching out to me I don't remember the names of them but like really like because I did like some uh, videos that went viral with makeup so I had like really like important makeup brands reaching out to me and the opportunities were then and now so I had to take them and it was really hard because I was struggling with everything that was going on and I did take two weeks off from social media but I couldn't take it anymore because si no las tomaba las oportunidades se me iban a ir. Yeah. Y sure. pues básicamente para para terminar y para continuar um, I joined, you know, I started working there and I started growing with the company and uh, during that time because of my job I was able to make my own money so I was able to afford, I had my DACA I was able to afford my first card ever so I was 20 but it was so good because it was all you know lo compré yo it was under my name it was under my insurance and it was a beautiful thing and um, and slowly as I continued growing I started becoming more comfortable with myself and with who I am and it wasn't until about a year ago like two years but really a year ago and really really like six months ago I went public on 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 um Instagram that I was DACA about a year and a half ago and I had a lot of support but that was it and then during once I started doing TikTok and I started speaking up it's where I really became you know an advocate of DACA and I just want again like show representation that si yo puedo Y puedo, tú puedes. Porque no es imposible. But we do have to work. We have to work hard. And we have to work uh, twice as hard. Pero con ganas y con esfuerzo, se puede. You know? And uh, I've been really blessed along my path to have found beautiful people that have helped me. Like Luis. Like Suri like Mike Clayton, like my co-workers, like Rosa, Donna, because I've been working with them for years. Like I've known them since I was 19. And they've helped me make my taxes for the first time. And they helped me do my data renewal. And they've helped me, you know, so many little things that you don't know how to do. And and like, uh, and I've been, I've, I've been really blessed 
to, even though I don't have family here, my community around me has become my family. And I'm also very blessed to have a wonderful mom and a wonderful sister and a wonderful husband that support me along everything. And right now with Brandon, he supports every single thing that I do. And I do a lot. And he's offered everything. And I mean, I've never, ever felt like he's held me back because I do a lot. I mean, you see it. And, um, and he's really my, my, my biggest supporter. And, um, and he, he's all for like, uh, advocating women's rights and he's all for advocating DACA rights. And, and he's, uh, he, and I, I, and honestly, I'm so, I'm so blessed and I'm so happy to, you know, have him with me. Um, the reality is that I am a minority in every single way that you see it. I'm brown. <laughs> I'm a woman and I'm DACA, you know, and he loves every single part of that and he uh, supports every single part of it. And I'm very blessed to be with someone. And I did not mention this, but we've been together for eight years and a half, me and my husband. <laughs> That's a long time. Oh my gosh. So basically, I mean, he's been there through it all. Like as everything. you're talking and you're telling me everything about your story from like being you know, like that little girl at the rink and you're over here, you know, like learning through life and going through life, the biggest hardships that you faced from, you know, like you've mentioned growing up and working hard, dedicating yourself to, I mean, making ends meet. How did you find him? Like, was it through school? Like, how was he involved with all of this? Because And how, I, and how was he able to fit into my life (laughs) yeah that's what I'm I'm wondering because you are on a mission and and when you think of like a girl on a mission you don't have time for a lot of stuff like we mentioned it previously to um recording and we were talking about like when you have all these things happening for you your job your job takes already 40 hours of your week you have your activism you have you know your your projects you have your own self-care your family how do you find the time to encompass I mean dating at that point well I found Brandon um I was 16 years old and I got invited to be a part of a dance crew and so I never became part of it by the way but I got invited so I went to audition and Brandon was one of the judges, which I don't know why, because he can't dance, but whatever. And so I'll be honest, I wasn't really doing my best. And there was a step that I went like that. And you could see he was just sitting there like, that girl cannot dance. Why did she even come to audition? And, uh, but like the connection was instant because that we met on Halloween day. So I had some fake blood and he said that he was going to go to a, to a, a party leader and uh he's like you have some blood and I was like yeah you do like you want to lay down so he laid down and like we like looked at each other eyes and like there was a connection and I put the blood and my <laughs> mom siempre ha sido bien regañona siempre ha sido muy exacta which you know now I it's love understandable I, 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 definitely I understand. yeah. back then I was like oh my god mom you're the worst but now I'm like, you know what, mom? I'm so glad of, you know, todo lo que has She's protecting porque... you. Yeah. 
So, mi mamá me llamó, ¿dónde estás? Ya es bien tarde, te quiero aquí. And I was like, mom, no, ya te quiero aquí. I'm like, well, how am I going to, pues yo no sé cómo le vas a hacer. Pero quiero que llegues, pero ya. And my mom at that, back, back then she had her dance studio. So, uh, I told my friend that invited me, his name is Abram. I was like, I have to go, uh, but someone else would take me. <laughs> and Brandon had a car and, um, And he was like, and he overheard. He's like, I could take you. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, are you sure? I was like, yeah. So then um, he drove me and we stopped by a gas station and I got, I wanted some hot fries. So he got me my hot fries. He bought it for me. And I was like, in my head, I was like, ooh, he bought my hot fries. Like he has a car. I see you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> he was 18. <laughs> he wasn't in high school. He was already grad. He had already graduated. And um, we uh, we stopped talking. We did not talk for like a, like like a month or something. And then out of a sudden, he like messaged me through Facebook, which was really crazy that I messaged him back. I mean, I must really like him because back then I was Facebook famous, you know. And I always had guys, you know, talking to me, and I never replied to anyone. I I didn't have a time for it. I always like, you know, I'm just like. But see, I've also grown in the way that I think, like, I used to think, soy mujer, y soy más que los hombres, like, that, like, mujer empoderada, the, like, but not the right way, like, mm -hmm. when you're a feminist, but not the right feminist, you know, I'm like, yo soy bien chingona, y los hombres en shit, like that, honestly, and so I'm like, yeah, I don't need men, and so then I met Brandon, he messaged me, and I replied to him, And then I used to have my dance classes. I mean, I used to be school and I had dance classes. And it was like a, the one that I was telling you about AJB. It was like a hard team. So nos quedamos like after school practices hasta como las nueve de la noche. So one day uh, I was really hungry. So I told him, I'm really hungry. And he like stopped by to get me food. And so after we had already been talking for a month. So, so when he went, I gave him a kiss before he left girl I had the like, I had the butterflies and we started dating and um I did find myself time I don't know how but I did I've always been really good of like yes I have work and I have my own you know goals and passions in life but I also have a personal life so somehow I mean and even then like there was times of like I don't have time Brennan has always been really understanding that I'm not a regular girl, like I've always wanted more. And he knew that and he loved that about me, that I always aspired. And I I wasn't like the last kid, you know, I'm home not doing anything on my phone. Like I, siempre desde que me conoce, he estado movida. O sea, desde que me conoce, I was in the dance team in school. Then I joined another swing, then another one, then another one. Then I was in samba. Then I went to World of Dance. Then I started traveling with my job where like, I leave for like three weeks. I come back one day and then I leave again for like whole three months it happens like I'm not home and he's he's seen that and he's just he he knows and he knows what that it's bigger than that you know it's it's our future together it's um my goals and he supports every single step of the way and honestly it's a beautiful thing to have found love at a really young age and somehow to keep, have kept the love alive because I'll tell you honestly I up until this day I'm very much in love with him I'm very happy to be living with him we've been able to grow and 
you know, make have little trips and and have our apartments and start building, you know, our life together. It was a really hard thing to do. And just to talk about a different topic real quick, um, with my mom, you know, I love my mom, but your family after being in a with um there's so many misunderstandings and and I feel like I really did I, I learned how to appreciate my mom a lot more after I left and uh, it was a really heartbreaking moment for my mom and it was even more it was harder for me because I left my my biggest thing for me was my sister and my brother but mostly my sister um because I felt like I was leaving my sister behind you know and um I do feel up until this day sometimes like guilty. Um, I'm not gonna lie. My sister just moved out of her of the house not too long ago. She's only 20. She did it four years before I could. It was a really hard moment for my mom. And um, and I know that she can do it. And it sucks. I haven't talked talk about my sister, but my sister has not been able to get her DACA. Ever. Girl, girl. Girl, my sister is also 20. She doesn't have DACA. I've been the one that's been, again, who are you? Who <laughs> the heck are you? And like, how are we so freaking related? This is crazy. The same thing. I've just talked about this. Like, we cried on Friday because my sister was this close. And I've said it. Like, my, my sister, sister too. was waiting. She had she had her biometrics. She had everything. We were just waiting for that approval stamp. And she was checking every day in the mail to get it like every single day. And up until this point, we cried on Friday because what the fuck, <laughs> you know, like it's not going to happen for her. And again, my sister's also 20. How old is your other brother? Uh, he's eight. Okay. So my youngest is eight. So we're missing the one <laughs> in the middle. Cause I have, I'm 25. I'm going to be 25 in August. My sister's 20. I have a 14-year-old brother, and then the youngest one is eight. So, girl, I'm telling you, our, our lives are just like, you were in this parallel, parallel. I was in this parallel, <laughs> and here we are. Yeah, that's crazy. That is so freaking crazy. Yeah, so it's the same thing, like you said, with your sister. Um, it's really, and it's really hard for me, and it's really sad to see because my sister's so deserving, and she's so talented. She's a beautiful makeup artist. And she's so talented. And yo sé que así como se me abrieron las oportunidades a mí, being able to have a document, the amount of opportunities, opportunities. that my sister would be able to. It. Yeah. So right now with this new Hayden's ruling, it's really upsetting and very hard and very sad. Uh, yes, I have DACA and I'm very grateful. And now more than ever, I need to use my voice to speak up on what's happening because it's a time for a change, you know, not tomorrow, like now. And when you don't make our voices be heard and um, there's so much going on right now and there's so much noise going on. So we need to make more noise for Congress to act, for Biden to act and for the Democrats to act. So, you know, we've always, I've always thought and everyone you know as streamers we know that DACA has never been permanent it's a beautiful program that has changed the lives of many and it's it's right but it's not enough and 
year after year, we keep seeing all of these obstacles that keep coming our way. And somehow we've been able to like get over them. But it seems like we get somewhere and then we set back. They just won't let us be. So at this point, the only the only solution for it, it's a path to citizenship to all 11 million immigrants, undocumented individuals that deserve it. You know, um, I pay, girl, if I tell you the amount of money I pay for taxes every year, I mean, every uh, every paycheck, it's oh, yeah, insane, it's insane. You know? It's sad. And yeah, it really is. I'm like, dang. And and I don't even get any 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 benefits anywhere because I can't I can't get the benefits. Um, but I've heard, I don't know if you have, but apparently if you get any benefits from the government and then you try to like uh, get your citizenship that apparently you don't get approved. I don't know if that's true or not. I read it sometimes. So I'm I don't I don't ever want to get any help from the government. I don't need it. I'm fine. I just work harder. But um, it really is sad, especially because I did come to, in a in a very young age, and although I'm very proud, I'm so proud of being Mexican. I'm so proud of my roots, and I'm I mean I'm Mexican. I was born in Mexico. If you put me back in Mexico, I wouldn't know where to start. You know, this is home. This is and I, something that I like to say is that as a immigrant I feel like a lot of the times we tend to be so mad at America and America needs to give, give us more but honestly I'm nothing but grateful to America because it has opened me so many opportunities and you I have such a I have a really good lifestyle compared to what I would have in Mexico I wouldn't have that in my, in my home country I have that here so how could I be upset at America I have nothing but love and respect to this country, but I don't have that back. <laughs> America don't doesn't love me back. And it's sad because I contribute as much as an American citizen. Or even I, more know, sometimes oh, because exactly the passion that we have. And when, again, we work twice, three times as hard as the next person just to be where they are. And that is just, again, it speaks to your passion. It speaks to your, your um, advocacy because you're over here making it with all the setbacks and all the challenges that you have proving that it is possible. All you need is hard work and dedication and that's it. And you say it's so simple, but that's a lot. Yeah, it is. And it's hard. And again, growing up, you think that it's something that, it's not doable, but it is. It's been really, really, really hard for me and for many, for you. Um, but it's not impossible. And I know that at least for me, this is just the beginning of um, great path and what I'm going to be able to accomplish and what I want to continue to accomplish and the ears that I want to to get to um I feel like I've made a lot of noise and I've been making headlines like you said but this is not the end you know we need more because it needs to get to more people and uh and I cannot afford to be afraid I have to speak up and if for some reason like my mom said 
te van a regresar a, me a México porque estás de uh, speaking up, well, you know what, then there'll be a, a movement, bring freedom back, bring freedom back, you know, like, I'll be collateral damage and it is what it is, but I cannot be afraid, it's not a time to be afraid, it's a time to speak up, it's a time to use my platform in social media that it's, I mean, as I have 150,000 followers on TikTok, I need to use that platform. And how many more people can I reach? I mean, you've seen how videos go viral on TikTok. You know, like, who knows? Uno pega, tiene la suerte y le dan 15 mil millones de vistas. Like, it's possible, you know? And the amount of people that I can reach. So I'm personally going to continue using my platform and to continue advocate and um and raise my boys and speak up because the reality is that DACA has taken me out of the shadows you know but I know that there's a lot of people still living under the Left shadow behind. yeah such as my mother my sister and many others and um and they are the serving hard-working people that make America run they really do Um, they really do. Todas las personas que van y construyen y trabajan abajo del sol por horas para hacer las calles de Estados Unidos, para hacer las casas, para hacer los the farm workers, yeah, picking up exactly. our food, putting it on your table, like that's that's hard work that comes from our community. And for it to be like you 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 mentioned the appreciation and unappreciation of of us as Latinos as undocumented communities we are left, like you mentioned, I'm here, I'm visible, like aquí estoy, and yet a lot of people see past that, right? Like, and I know there was mentions at some point of a shutdown, like an undocumented shutdown. People who are undocumented don't go out. Like, I think it was like a blackout. I don't know if it happened or not, but imagine how much that would have impact us not showing up to work, other people not showing up to work, not being able to, how are we going to get this done? We are contributing members of society and it's hard yeah. that people still don't recognize that or don't don't pay attention to what's hurting us and the challenges. And imagine if we're contributing so much already with all the setbacks, with all the challenges, with everything that's against us, how much more can we produce with actual, you know, not only documentation, but support and welcoming us into where we currently are? Because we're fighting And there is no fight to fight. The, the reality is that we should just, somebody shouldn't throw a white flag and be like, okay, here you go. You're here and you're here to stay. And that is just so hard. So, 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 so hard. And you know what I was thinking and I, I so many people, like you said, you know, the farmers, all the construction workers that, and so many undocumented individuals and that don't run America but make America run. And it's so true. I mean, where would America be without all of those people? And it's really hard and really sad to see because I personally see my mother struggling every day, not being able to have a good actual job, paying job that you're getting paid salary every two weeks. You don't have an actual check. Stability. Yeah, she's having to like, you know, freelance and do her jobs like, yeah, yeah. And who knows if you're going to make enough money this month to be able to pay your rent. So who knows if if all these immigrant families are going to make enough money to be able to feed their families. Like my mom, like I told you in the past, there was sometimes no teníamos ni para comer. 
and it's really really hard and really difficult and again this is not going to get solved until there is a path to citizenship and we're going to continue fighting for it definitely and 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 as we're getting to the deep stuff of like the reality right like not only have you shared your story and not only have you opened up and again I cannot thank you enough for like again when people see you on social media and I speak for myself you 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 start thinking of like oh this person like she must have it all together she must have it all figured out she she's gone through all this she's this because of this you don't know behind closed doors what people really go through and this podcast is dedicated to highlighting people like us that whether we have a platform or we don't a lot of already existing platforms YouTube uh TikTok Instagram they're not highlighting our stories and in this podcast as we're dedicated to being open and honest I hope that you were able to inspire so many people listening today. You inspired me, Frida. I'm telling you, I've got chills. I've got tears. I've got like my tissues and like my mocos everywhere because through this whole episode, I was just like at the edge of my seat. Like you went through all that and you came through and sharing and opening up about that. It's hard. It's hard to talk about it because people expect La vida es color de rosa. Everything's good and everything's happy and and you don't go through hard stuff. But the reality is we all go through life differently. We all go through really hard times and we all go through challenges. And having someone like you with the huge platform, with the voice, with the confidence to stand up here and stand up tall and say, hey, I made it. I'm okay. And I hope that that's the message that people like me that have been in your shoes, people that that are still learning how to embrace their story, how to be themselves and be confident and comfortable. I hope that through hearing your example, and you've said it, I lead through example. And I'm so lucky and honored to have featured this today. No, thank you. Thank you so, so much for inviting me and being part of this. It, it means a lot. I am uh, very happy to be able to be featured in your in your um, podcast and that as I'm growing and uh, as, as you're growing and I know that later on um, a year from now we're going to get together when your podcast is so it's huge and I'm huge as well and we're going to be like you know we work together from the beginning and um, it all starts somewhere and I know that there's bigger and better things coming for you and for myself I'm really happy that you were able to create this beautiful platform for people like me to share the story, something that doesn't exist. I'm really happy that you're giving some representation that we were talking about earlier. I'm really happy that you thought about me and I feel very um, alagada and happy and blessed to be able to share my story, which I would like to mention before we finish. I know I've mentioned in the podcast that it's a story that for many, many years I felt ashamed of and um, something that I didn't speak about because it was a taboo, something that you don't talk about. But being an immigrant is part of my story, is part of who I am. And I would, I could not be any prouder to be an undocumented individual that came here illegally and has made it into America and is going to do more things. And just like I can and I was able to do it, you can. So if you're watching this, I really hope that I could inspire you just a little bit and put a granito of esperanza that you just got to continue working because things have looked really dark for me in my life in a lot of different times. 
and I did not stop. I did not stop. Things looked really, really hard, and I would—I don't know how I was gonna make it out, but I did, and I'm here now, and I'm sharing my testimony and my story, and I know that along the way, I might—I might have another rough patch because that's the way that life is, you know. Where a veces estamos arriba y a veces estamos abajo, y a mí nada me garantiza que yo voy a seguir donde estoy ahorita, pero voy a seguir trabajando fuerte, y yo como, you know, como Frida, como persona. And como DACA, I wanna, I know that there's many people that like, whenever they start growing, they change. And uh, I don't ever want to be that person. And I want to you know, say here publicly that I promise that, and I pledge that I'm always going to continue to speak up for all of us, no matter how big or how, or for if I stay the same, I'm always going to use my platform to make some noise and until things get better and until we get that citizenship. And even when we get the citizenship, I'm still taught Clara. <laughs> and again, really, I'm really glad that you, for me to, I'm really happy that you invited me and I'm really glad that I was able to share my story with you. Thank you for listening. I know it's a long story. <laughs> no, no, not long enough. And like I said, it's hard that when we come on and, and we only get to share glimpses of, you know, experiences, anecdotes, this happened, this happened. If we really take the time to get to know someone really, I mean, you can spend a lifetime still getting to know someone. And, and I think coming from a huge platform that a lot of people follow you, a lot of people are interested in like Frida and how are you doing it and what are you doing next? And again, when you're sharing so much about your life already, it's hard to share about the the really dark times because you only want to focus on the positive. Everyone just wants to focus, hey, this, I'm happy and I'm everything. But the reality is you're here now because of everything else that you've been through and opening up about it here in just a span of, you know, part one, part two, because this is going to be a part one, part two for sure. Um, But just in a span of, of an hour and a half, two hours, it doesn't it doesn't justify everything that you are. And it doesn't, this is just a glimpse. And I'm so happy that you shared it. And um, again, I'm listening to your story for the first time. And wow, I'm just, again, even more impressed by you, even more like inspired. And as we share this out, um, again, I wish you the best of luck and everything that's coming for you. I can't wait to see what you do next and where you're going to be next. And again, when people see something in you, like I understand you're going to be big, you're going to be huge. And I read it in the headlines, a dreamer paving the way for others to tell their stories. And when I saw you on TikTok, feeling confident. And again, this is where it started because when I was thinking of how am I going to put this on a podcast? How am I going to find people that are going to be willing to share? Because a lot of people, it's hard for us to come to terms and publicly say, I'm a dreamer, publicly say, I've been through this. And when I see someone like you on camera and on a platform that is dedicated to so many other things, right? Like trends and makeup and hair and everything unrelated, you're here putting us out there, giving a voice to say, hey, it's okay to talk about these things. I'm, I'm doing this. And to me, as I mentioned, and I, you were one of those first people like, hey, I want to feature your story because whatever you're doing, 
I want more people to know about and to feel like they can do this too. And that one person was me. So thank you so much for giving me this space for the connection, the collaboration, wherever I see you again, I'm just so lucky and honored to have actually taken the time to meet you. And again, best of luck with everything and um, keep it going. Don't stop because this is going to be hard work, but it's going to pay off and it's going to pay off big. So congratulations. I can't wait to feature this episode and to everyone listening that has been hanging on with me in tears and, 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 and has shared this special moment. Thank you so much to everyone listening. Share this episode with anyone that you know. If you follow Frida on um, TikTok, Instagram, Frida, do you want to share your, um, your social media with us so that people can find you and, and see everything that you're doing and what else is to come for you? So my name is Frida Adame. So of course I had to make my social media name Frida Licious. <laughs> hey, uh, it, you're it, living it. You're again. <laughs> embrace it, girl. It's been my name since I was 16 years old, and I tried to change it to Frida Lorraine, and I was like, yeah, this is not work. It's too boring. So my Instagram is at Frida Licious, and my TikTok is at it's free delicious and um i don't have a twitter <laughs> so. me neither i've never <laughs> even learned how to use twitter girl i i can't i can't tiktok I'm i mean barely... i have it but it doesn't it doesn't it, exist no yeah same I have same, like same, followers. same. <laughs> <laughs> i'll be the next one trust me because i i don't know i don't even know how it works for sure um but definitely and I'll be sharing more about your you know social media so to anyone listening on this episode I'll be sharing the social media tags everything you can find more information on Frida on the Instagram page at the prickly things podcast um you can also see on the episode notes if you're listening on Apple podcast on Spotify you'll see all the information about Frida that I'll be sharing um Frida as we're wrapping this up what's one word or a phrase that you want to leave us with if anything today, and it could be related to life, it could be related. What is something that you want to leave us with today? Um, I would say this quote, they tried to bury us, but they did not know that we were seeds. Because as dreamers and as undocumented individuals, Everyone's going to tell you that you can't do it. As a woman, if you're a woman, a Latina, you're going to be told that you can't do it. They're going to push you down and society is going to remind you every single day that you're not the right color skin, that you're not the right gender, that you don't have any documents and that you can't do it. And they're going to bury you over and over again. Don't let them bury you. Remember that you are a seed and you're going to grow into a beautiful flower or plant, sunflower, whatever you want to be. And you're going to flourish. But in order to be able to do that, you have to water that seed every single day. So that's what I would like to leave it on. Again, speechless. <laughs> I'm speechless. I, I can't say anything more to that. Wow. Take it in. Breathe it in. 
process it. Everyone listening, thank you so much for joining us today. Frida, thank you. Have a great rest of your night and um, we'll stay in touch. Everyone stay tuned to another episode coming soon on the DACA series, the Storytime series, and I'll catch you on on the next episode. <laughs>